0: Fly flip, the fly the wheel, flop, flip, the flap for the Flip, You know, Kurt, there's a lot of sports going on, a lot of sprots going on in the world right now, and, you know, we've got a Sixers game, we've got multiple hockey games, just uh, a lot of stuff to enjoy right now. And I don't know how familiar you or the listeners are with uh, I Think You Should Leave, but there's one episode where they have this uh, competition of, (laughs) for lack of a better term, little buff boys, and there's a song (laughs) in it that's like. Outrageously infectious, where uh, where they go like little buff boys, and like five minutes before the show started, uh Embiid started going off at the end of a quarter, and I just started walking around the house going, "Joel Embiid, dunking and bumping, dunkin dipping and, <laughs> bumpin', dip and like <laughs> just can't get that out of my head. It's just it's
1: yeah. So I haven't watched all of season two yet. We started getting into it, and I don't know. There were there were. That show's very, I'm very hit or miss with that show, but like that's by the same guy as the, um, who did baby of the year, right?
0: Yes. Yes. It's yeah. the same. And it's even the same actor in the sketch,
1: yeah. Sam mm-hmm.
0: Richardson, which is, yeah. Yeah. It, but it's the same thing pretty much, but just a, a more infectious song that I sing around the house. Like I'll sing that song regularly, <laughs> but now that I've got it as a theme song for Embiid, like it's just, it's going to happen every Sixers game and
1: Emily might kill me. She might I murder. You, me. I think you can make it a thing. I think you can make it a thing with, the, with enough effort.
0: Joel Embiid. So good. No, it's I, nice to enjoy like s- some sort of sport because, as we know, with, with the Flyers, it's just been straight misery for, for a couple months at this point. Just absolute misery. So, you know, I'm enjoying other hockey games. I enjoyed a lot of the Bruins-Avs game last night. I'm enjoying the Sixers for the most part. Like, it's nice to enjoy some sports.
1: <sighs> as, as a wise man said in a tweet a long time ago, Imagine enjoying a sport in Philadelphia. <laughs> We've got the one right now, just just the one. Just and the one. It's not the team we're about to spend far too long talking about, folks.
0: No, it absolutely is not. And it's it's just the one who the one where we happen to get the bona fide superstar who is a lot of fun and a badass and gets it. But I will say, despite I I enjoyed parts of the Eagle season more than I should have. I I did want to mention because there's very hyperbole related content that happened in the NFL playoffs, and that would be one Mr. Cole Beasley, Mr. Sorry Not Sorry himself, uh, Mr. I Will Not Get Vaccinated No Matter What, sadly did not advance to the AFC Championship, and it just happened in one of the most tragic ways possible. I actually feel bad for the Buffalo Bills and Bills Mafia, because this is just ridiculous, but as the statement I've written here is, Cole Beasley endured 80 stings worth of pain when the Kansas City Chiefs beat his Buffalo Bills, despite having a lead with only 13 seconds left. Folks, this is how you become the president of the United Hate of America.
1: So I, I think you know this, but um, uh, my my wife's my wife and her family they're actually Bills fans. So last week, so like you know, she's gotten more like her she's gotten more into them over the last couple of years. Um, you know as it became clear Josh Allen is actually a good quarterback, which surprised a lot of us. Yeah, I can't believe it. He's actually really yeah. good. And like this year, as the Eagles were a meandering team and the Bills were clear Super Bowl contenders, like she was clearly getting more into it. And like you could see and I could see like when they had some tough losses during the year, she'd be like as as someone who hadn't been that really. Hooked into sports before, like she's a Mets fan, but there we weren't on the same side when they were in the World Series in 2015. I laughed at her when they lost. Um, but when, but like when they lose games, she'd be like, "Why do you do this? Why do you get involved in sports?" And I was like, "Dear, if I could, if I, if I'd known, if I'd known 20 years ago when I started watching this, like 25 years ago when I started watching this, if I could take it back, I maybe would have. But now you're in, and you're you're poisoned. Now there's no there's no getting out of it." And, like, we watched that game the other day, and, like, oh, to be very very clear, I was rooting for the Bills. Like, I wanted them to win the Super Bowl once the Eagles were out. And, like, and she's, you know, we were obviously really upset about it. But then, like, a a couple days later, it's, like, Tuesday or Wednesday, she's like, when does this get better? I'm like, oh, it doesn't. It it just doesn't. It doesn't. (laughs) It doesn't until you win a Super Bowl.
0: (laughs) And then it gets immediately bad again. Like, you might have one year where it's like, okay, this is pretty nice, but then... As soon as that team sucks again, you just are the most miserable prick in the world. It's just how it works.
1: Yeah, there's, yeah, to a degree, definitely. Like, I've definitely been, and we, I think we talked about this as it pertained to the Flyers in one of the shows I was on recently, I've definitely been less miserable about sports since the Eagles won the Super Bowl.
0: Oh, for sure. It takes some of the pressure off where...
1: But at the same time, like, yeah, you, you still take losses poorly. And a game like that, I mean, are you, a game like that, are you kidding 13 seconds left in the game.
0: 13 13 seconds! seconds. Like, as an Eagles fan who has experienced almost every type of heartbreak there is, I've never experienced a 13-second loss like that, where, Mm. like, it's a full kickoff, and the offense actually drives down the field and ties it. And, like, Mm. in 13 seconds, I've never as an Eagles fan had to experience that kind of heartbreak.
1: And I've got to give her credit. They'll score that touchdown with 13 like, seconds left. And like, we celebrate and it's like they scored. And then she's, and then like, she like real quickly, like mellows down and she's like, game's not over yet. Not celebrating yet. I've been watching too much of this game. This ain't over yet. And like deep down kind of knew it just kind of knew some shit was still going down in that game. Oh man.
0: Well, that's how I felt during the Eagles Patriots Super Bowl. Oh yeah. Like, I, legitimately still was terrified of a Brady comeback and it looked like it was going to happen. Even with that Hail Mary going up, you're like, Oh my God, they, these pricks might still take this away from us.
1: Yeah. I mean, when, you know, that last drive, they get the ball or not the very last drive, but the one with the fumble, like they get it back with like under three minutes left. And you're sitting there thinking like, Oh God, this is it. This is, you can pinpoint the exact spot where his heart's going to get ripped out. And like, You watch the play where he fumbles because Tom Brady fumbled late in the Super Bowl. And I watch the ball bounce right into Derek Barnett's hands. And like all the people I was watching with, it took us like three seconds to actually react to it because we couldn't really believe that that was how this game looked like it was going to end. And like the whole time, like the whole that first drive, you're like, oh, God, or that final drive, they're, they're like, oh, God. They're gonna get it be- they're gonna they're gonna take the lead, we're gonna lose, and our heart's gonna be broken. And then he recovers the fumble and you're like, okay, I feel good now. Like, cause that fumble was the first spot. I feel really good. They go three and out, and it's like, all right, this is a long field goal, Jake. And if you, and it, it's like, okay, if he misses this, they're gonna lose. If he misses this, they're gonna lose. And then like he makes it, eight point game. It's like, okay, I feel pretty good now. And then they get that one fourth down on the final drive. And I'm like, oh no, this is this is how we get our heart, this is how we get the gut punch. They they get a touchdown on like a Hell Mary get a two, and like, you know, he throws it up, got. Gronk sitting back there and he's like, This is gonna be it. This is this is this is the moment. And then it doesn't happen and they win. And we're like, Oh my god. Oh my God. The the thing didn't happen. We actually won.
0: I've got a smile on my face just thinking about this because like I I I remember it so vividly. My living room filled with like a dozen people. (laughs) My South Philly row home does not fit that many people. I was sitting on the stairs with a side view for the Super Bowl in my own home. It (laughs) it was ridiculous, but it was so much fun. So, yeah, occasionally you get those nice moments and occasionally you get the extreme heartbreak. Like I feel like if there's one fan base that I can actually pity as a Philadelphia fan, it's Buffalo. Yeah. It used to be Cleveland, but then the Cavs actually won it with LeBron a few years back, who uh, notably had the Philly flu tonight and couldn't play against the
1: Sixers, just scared of Embiid. I so get it. Scared of Joel Embiid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Philly Fun flu, times baby. In Cleveland today, Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> um, not, not, not re- related. And it's not on the outline, but like all these, d- does someone tweeted this a while ago, and it, it, I laughed a lot because it seems like it's true. Does Rob Gronkowski's agent just like? get him in all these commercials by saying, hey, we got a gig for you. You're going to look like the dumbest person on earth and you're going to talk like it for a few seconds. And he's like, I'm in. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Because It's he, legitimately showing up in all these commercials just being an absolute numbskull. And clearly it works for him. But like... What's the some- one for the credit union? <sighs> the, yeah, US... Or was it... Is that USA? No, that's the, that's the insurance for the military. And like at some point... At some point, you're you're gonna get it, right? Like, it, it's Rob. What are you doing?
0: <laughs> oh my god! Like he, this looks like the dumbest person in history, and he's like, "I'm all for it. I'm gonna look like it just I. I don't get it. I don't understand." By the way, we're having some fun in the Sixers game right now because Carmelo Anthony just got into it with a fan on the sidelines, and the fan Ooh. got booted. So I would love to know what is going on here. This is this is some classic Philly shit right here.
1: I often forget that Carmelo Anthony is still playing basketball in the National Basketball Association.
0: Yeah, and he's on the Lakers bench. Who would have thought? Yeah, I just I I would love to know what happened here because this is just like such classic Philly shit. Like you know, people always think about Eagles fans and and Flyers fans as the troublemakers, but. You know, Sixers fans really can dish it out quite a bit. Like, I always think back to the, the, the old, the Russell older guy. fat man. Yes. The Russell Westbrook guy. Yep. Fun yep. fact. I used to work with a woman who that was like her best friend's father. Like, he's a doctor <laughs> and he's like a very nice man usually.
1: <laughs>
0: but he's just the Mr. Like double yeah, bird, I mean- you know?
1: Yeah, like the, like the screaming, remember the screaming Eagles fan who was like the dean of admissions at Penn? Like you, you sports just make us all stupid. <laughs>
0: Especially in Philadelphia. Especially sense, here. Like, think back to the most fu- famous Flyers incident is the guy who tried to fight Ty Domi, which is still
1: amazing. It takes a lot of some stuff and not a lot of other stuff. The latter mostly being brains. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Quick editor's note. I found out afterwards that those Sixers fans were ejected for calling Carmelo Anthony "boy." So fuck those guys.
1: Enjoy the rest of the show. Seattle Kraken win their first overtime game and first overtime win in franchise history over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, how about, how
0: about that? And it's all because I decided to bet against them. So you're welcome, Seattle. A lot of
1: the time this year, that's gone well. Yeah,
0: I, I thought that was a lock. I'm like, oh, the Penguins at home against the Kraken should be an easy win. And I think all three teams... Oh, no, okay, so the Lightning are going to win. I had a parlay where I bet on the Hurricanes, the Lightning, and the Penguins. And it looks like... It looks like the Lightning are the only team of the three that are going to pull out the victory.
1: <laughs> Hockey's real dumb. I mean, this we, is what we I get for betting lot. on evil. Yeah, yeah.
0: Did Mark Donk score against the the Penguins for the winner?
1: Did because I know assisted by Sidney Crosby's pet rock.
0: (laughs) When we were when we were logging on and preparing to do the show, the Kraken had just tied the game up, and they didn't even have a goal scorer listed on the NHL app. It was just like a blank picture. Think to like the MLB players right now who are uh, on lockout that have the blank pictures up on Twitter because that's what they did to them on the MLB site. Like, it's like that. Mm-hmm. And it didn't have a name or anything. So we're like, oh, it must be Mark Donk. He got claimed in the expansion draft and scored against the Penguins.
1: Whole team of Mark Donks, except they're not actually
0: good. I just, I'll never understand how, well, I, I guess Sidney Crosby really is just one of the greatest of all time to make it work with just the pure shit he has had on the wings for most of his career.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, I hate it. I hate it. And it's, it's mean. And I don't like that. The penguins just found a bunch of good players over the off season, but I, and it makes me angry about how Ron Hextall just couldn't find good NHL players news in Philadelphia. But I mean, Penn's been doing this shit for a decade. Don't know what to say. You know, Brian Russ was the original Mark Donk. Cause, cause like that was the thing back in like the early part of the last decade, pens weren't a deep team like Crosby and Malkin were good, but like Flurry would either be good or he just totally implode in the playoffs. The was still good then, but like they didn't have depth then. And they'd burn draft picks for like Jerome McGinley, who was at that point in his career, not that good or like Douglas Murray or whoever the fuck. And, um, and like, they just didn't have depth and starting like the middle of the decade, they just find randos like Brian rust and, uh Jake Gens. I mean Jake Gensel was a third round pick, I guess. You know, you have some degree of expectations for him, but like they just create these guys, they create a player them. And then you find Evan Rodriguez, who was like a solid player when he was in Buffalo, but then he um but then you know he comes here and he's a don't want fucking rocket Richard. But it's I don't know like why can't that happen to us? Like just once. Just once. Just once. Just, just, just once. Someone that isn't supposed to be good comes here and is good. Like, I just want that one time, and by that I mean ideally more than once, but if we can get it once, I'll— We
0: couldn't even get—like, I would have just taken Nolan Patrick being a serviceable 3C, you know? Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, if he ended up being, like, a 2C, that would have been disappointing, particularly given who went after him, but, like, you know, a functional NHL player that would fit in any team's lineup, like, (laughs) just— just give me that. I mean, it, shit. you know,
0: the, the one time and we don't need to rehash this because I think we we've spilled enough virtual ink over this. And we have we've talked about this enough on the uh, digital airwaves here. Like we, we don't need to complain about Nolan Patrick anymore. We all know how we all feel about this. Mm-hmm. And we're all mad. We all are not happy. Bobby Clark's going to go on 12 more podcasts to tell everybody about how he was the genius in the room. No, I don't need to talk Still? about that anymore either. It's on the well, sheet but we'll I'm get
1: not- to we'll get to the the front office it's still funny that you know bobby clark did that and everyone cheered him on maybe correctly and then the front office is like yeah so it's all Ron hex fault. so chuck fletcher's gonna stay and it's like whoa 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 whoa, what um but actually you know i i feel like i need to be nicer the flyers do have their uh their hidden gem their diamond in the rough here it's jerry fucking mayhew how about that
0: Jerry Mayhew, Gerald Mayhew, who is a guy that I I think I saw pop up for the first time like two weeks ago. I I, I was doing I was putting together forecast notes and I looked at the lines and I said, Gerald Mayhew. Who is that? I I had no idea. I'd never heard the name before in my life. It's the Winter of Gerald, baby. Winter of Gerald. And, you know, I talked about this a bit. (laughs) A lot of people are saying it. With Gerald? I mean, like, I, and if you tune into little plug for one of my other podcasts, I just recorded a Phantoms fix with with Maddie, and we talk about Jerry Mayhew there as oh, well. I but I mean, there's very few bright spots with this team right now so i think it's definitely worth mentioning mayhew a couple times and specifically i i attended the islanders game last week which might be the best game they played in like a month which is terrible because they lost in in
1: a fucking shootout where they went zero and nine
0: one of the worst shootouts i think of all time it was just we just it was so anticlimactic we were just sitting there like oh is this still going on i was almost relieved when it ended but my favorite part of that game was my dad thought that Mayhew's name was Mayhem. (laughs) He's like, I look at Mayhem there. And I was like, it's Mayhew, but I like Mayhem. I'll call him that. That's great. And then JJ said it the other night on the broadcast when he scored that ridiculous video game goal. And I, I'm really, you know what? He's not, he's not the best player, but he's got that hustle. He's got that heart. He's like Flyers Rudy. I'm into him.
1: I mean, look, look. To, like, I'm not sitting here saying the guy's you know, an all star or even a second liner, but like, two years ago in the AHL, or yeah, two years ago in the AHL, had 39 goals in 49 games. Like, oh, it yeah. is possible. Like, he may just be a quad A guy who's having a little bit of a good time right now on a team that just has nothing. But like, it's possible he's a dude. It's possible he can play a little bit. And like, you know, in other stints with Minnesota. And of course, all the players we get are from Minnesota. He, you know, didn't particularly impress, but I mean, he was a point of game guy in the AHL last year. He wasn't quite that with the Phantoms this year, but the Phantoms are terrible and also have had injury and COVID problems throughout the year. So I wouldn't put a ton of stock into that. Like, it seems like he can play a little. He's definitely got some jump. Yeah. I mean, the line, I forget which of the two games it was this week. Um, I think it was Monday night where he and Frost and I think it was Wilman and nominally if the team's fourth line was probably the best line that they had that night. He can play a bit, it seems like. I mean, if everyone's healthy, I don't know if he should be playing, but it doesn't seem like everyone's going to be healthy anytime soon, so why not?
0: Yeah, why not? Let's ride the wave, and I'm personally, we're going to get to this shortly, but I'm all aboard the tank train and the cell train fire sale all day. We're having a fire sale. Oh my god, we're
1: having a fire sale.
0: Yep, Tobias, we are going to have that fire sale, and I'm all about it. It's just, have that fire sale, let's bring in some exciting youngsters! You know, going to channel Tom McCarthy and go, look at these youngsters, it sounds like I'm 75 years old, but... Get some
1: uh, youths!
0: Get some youths, some youths! Youths! <laughs> it's, I anybody with any ounce of excitement is good for this right now, because as we have said, this is a miserable time to be a Flyers fan. It's a tough team to watch. There's very little joy in Mudville. So to see a guy like Mayhew, you know, the methods of Mayhew is what I named this segment here on the sheet. But <laughs> after a terrible band, terrible band, one of the worst I've ever seen in concert, but I, it was at Ozfest. I didn't see them in particular. Okay. But I, I, I'm just happy he's here and having fun and doing stuff because the only other guy who seems to be doing anything on this team is Claude Giroux.
1: Man, if you told us back in September, we'd be say we'd be pointing out Jerry Mayhew is one of this team's bright spots. I'd have had a lot of questions. Yeah, I mean it. W- it was always possible, and like you know, we may talk about this some when we talk about the press conference. It was always possible things could go wrong this season, but like this is really wrong that Jerry Mayhew is our most shining bright spot 43 games into the season oh my goodness it's not right it's really terrible
0: (laughs) it it's just like it's really stunning how this season has worked out and how quickly it's dissolved into just garbage it's just unwatchable garbage hockey and it, it sucks that i have to say that it sucks that i can't even find i think i've been one of the the top optimists for the flyers over the past few years i can't find a silver lining this is all bad Right now, and as I said, I'm on the tank train right now. I think it's time to sell. I think it's, well, I say it's time to sell, but the trade deadline is for like two months, which
1: is insane. My God.
0: It's insane. I looked it up. I think it was, what, March 20th or
1: something? It's like 22nd, I think.
0: Ugh. Oh, we are just so here to
1: suffer for another seven weeks.
0: Unbelievable. Like poor Claude Giroux is gonna have to like suffer until St. Paddy's Day or something at this rate. Yeah,
1: and and we and we originally thought we were gonna get some time off here to watch the Olympics, but no, we have to play hockey then. Oh, oh my god. Good lord. The Olympics featuring flyperbole legend Jordan Wheel. Oh wow!
0: Oh, I, I'm gonna call his aunt up. We'll watch it together. We could have a oh live stream watching it with Jordan Wheel's aunt, who's a big fan of my writing. Incredible,
1: incredible story.
0: Incredible. I still can't believe she got mad about my obviously fake story about Jordan Wheel being the problem with the Flyers. <laughs> Holy shit! That's I think that was that's another bad crowning, season. Crowning achievement with Broad Street Hockey. Like it could be that I interviewed Bernie Perrant It could be that I talked to Danny Briere. No, 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 no. It's that I made Jordan Wheel's aunt upset.
1: All you need is for a relative of Mark Friedman's to reach out and say that you're being mean and you'll have bingo.
0: Oh, they are just raring to go. All I have to do is write something about Cranberry or whatever the fuck they live, leave it to Beaverland, and they're going to get real upset.
1: Yeah, again, again, it's it's a mystery why Mark Friedman is comparing a, you know, a suburb of Pittsburgh to the dirty, quote unquote, dirty areas of Philadelphia. It's a real wonder why he did that. (laughs) (sighs) So this press conference.
0: Oh, we're gonna get into this
1: press conference. conference.
0: <laughs> oh God. So the Flyers have a—they're currently in the midst of a historic 13-game winless streak, right? Longest in Flyers history.
1: Longest in fly, and it's—it's it's, you know, call it whatever the fuck you want. They've lost 13 games in a row.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna call it a winless streak because that's technically what it is. But whatever, it sucks. It's bad. It's bad. Hockey is terrible. And Chuck Fletcher and Dave Scott decided to get out there and give a press conference. And apparently Dave Scott was a surprise appearance in there. My God, that's Dave Scott's music. And nobody really cares to hear it. And no offense to Dave Scott. He's just, he's not Ed Snyder. And I know a lot of people like to be like, why isn't Dave Scott Ed Snyder? Well, he just isn't. He just isn't. He doesn't, the name doesn't have heat on it. Okay. So Dave Scott comes running out and it's like, okay, well, at least that means they mean business in a way, but I don't know. I feel like we heard so much of the same old, same old. They at least admitted that the season's been crap, which is good. They seem to heavily imply that Claude Giroux will be traded and is not a part of this core moving forward, which I thought was interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I, I didn't watch the full press conference, had some things yesterday, but I've, I've you know seen some of the highlights Read through the whole transcript. Uh, if we reference it at any point on this uh, discussion, Bill Meltzer posted a transcript of it. So thank you to him for that. It seemed like they said a lot of things that are sort of that are hard to either, you know, tie together with either reality or other things that were said during the same conversation. Like, so again, they they heavily hinted that Claude Giroux is going to leave they or get traded. Like they said, it's his choice. But, you know, let's call a spade a spade here. If Claude Giroux and like, I don't mean this in a how dare he, he's not loyal kind of way. God forbid anything but that. But if Claude Giroux really still wanted to be here and like knew from the start, he wanted to be here no matter what he signed a deal in the offseason. He just would have. And he did not because clearly he wanted to see how things went this year. And the Flyers are where they are. He, that dude's going to get traded. And I mean, who knows for what, who knows for how much he has a no move clause. So he's got a lot to say here, but it seems like he is going to get traded and that's the right move. If you can get extra draft capital, Ah, uh, you gotta you know, you gotta do it, and especially in a season like this, but I don't know, but I don't know how you go from that to also saying we expect to be good next year. I don't remember what the exact quote was, but it was basically we expect to contend next year in the same breath. and i I just don't know how you do that unless you think that getting everyone healthy is going to solve everything. And not even, and it's not even just that, like you basically need, and this is something I'm working on writing as this is something I'm working on putting together for an article. But basically if you like what you think about what has to go right for the flyers to, as Dave Scott and Chuck Fletcher seem to think they will, what has to go right for them to contend next year. And it's basically everything that you basically need everything that happened in 2019, 20 to happen again. Which is to say, Sean Couturier is a selkie caliber player, as opposed to the you know competent top six center he has been this year. Though obviously he's been playing hurt, and when he's been in the lineup at all, so you need him to you know come back from injury at that level. You need Ryan Ellis to come back from injury at the level he was at when he was in Nashville and stay healthy. You need you know Travis Konechny to be the first line winger he looked like two years ago, rather than the. Second line winger he's been since then. I know some people have decided that Travis connect he's like not an NHL player guys. He's <laughs> fine. He's having a bad year or he's, he's having a bad year and he's still like scoring. It's like a 50 point pace. Like let's He's jim, like let's the jump. third the guy's scorer a sec- on this team. The guy's a second line winger on like any NHL team. The question is whether he can be a first line winger. Cause that's probably what the flyers need to contend. And like, you can go through the rest of the line. You need Kevin Hayes to bounce back from core surgery and be a, you know, good to see again you need to find more good players and you know how the flyers do that with their current cap situation. I truly don't know. Like they need to have some things up their sleeve. Like maybe, maybe they've got some good hockey trade in mind. Maybe they, maybe they think they're going to win the lottery, which obviously there's only like a 20 some percent chance at absolute most that that's going to happen. It's probably not, but maybe they think something like that. Maybe they think they're going to get John hockey, which like, that sounds like a joke, it could happen though. If, it could you happen. Know, He's a free though agent. If they look like, though if they look like this and John Hockey's a free agent, he might not want to sign here as much as it would pain his Flyers loving heart.
0: Well, I guess the question would have to be is do they clear? Well, number one, they have to clear a
1: significant amount of space to they sign. They have $4,000 $4, like $4 of Drone. cap space. Yeah. $4,000 of cap space.
0: Like I went on cap friendly two days ago and I tried to maneuver it to sign Johnny Hockey because I didn't even realize he was free agent this offseason to be honest. Uh, I did notice that half of the Penguins from like three years ago are uh, free agents this offseason so I figured let's just sign them and really just make Pittsburgh mad which would be hilarious but <laughs> I digress uh, Johnny Hockey I feel like the thing is like you would need to A. clear out enough space to give him a competitive offer and then yep. B. like you'd really have to make him a, a guarantee or a promise that like okay, you're going to be the guy and we are going to focus this team around your needs and you being the guy, which is, you know, a lot. And there's just so many things that have to fall into place. They have to sell so many pieces. They have to clear so much gap space. Chuck Fletcher's got a lot of work ahead of him and I do not envy that man.
1: And like, don't get me wrong, Johnny Hockey's great, but he's turned, he'll be 29 when next season starts. Like if you're bringing that guy in as your centerpiece, don't get me wrong, still an incredible player. But like, if that's your the centerpiece of your franchise, like you you, you got to have the other stuff in place like now, and it's not clear the Flyers do.
0: Right. I mean, that's the situation we're just leaving with Claude Giroux, presumably, because Claude Giroux has been the centerpiece of this franchise for uh, just about a decade at this point, And it, it has not worked. It simply has not worked. And he's still the best player on this team, as Chuck Fletcher pointed out. And Mm -hmm. he's 34 and Mm -hmm. it just, that can't be the case. You can't have a guy in his mid thirties be Mm -hmm. your best player unless, you know, it's Sidney Crosby or something like that, which no offense to Claude. I love
1: Claude, but
0: he ain't Sidney Crosby.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, not that you're going to disagree with what I'm about to say here, but to clarify, I think what you just said, like there were definitely, there were points at Claude Drew's career in which you could win a Stanley cup with him as your best player. It ain't that anymore. Like he is still a top line NHL player, but If he is your best player at this point in his career, I think as, as Chuck Fletcher said, he was drafted 16 drafts ago, like 16 years ago. That can't like the idea surely when Ron Hextall took over was that he was going to find like the next generation. Cause like Paul Holmgren's tenure as GM, say what you will, fun time for most of it. He, um, he didn't draft those. I mean, he didn't draft in the first round most of the time, period. And Sean Couturier was the closest they got to that guy. And like, you know, at his peak, there are probably people who could, th- who think he could be the best player in a cup winner. Um, but he was certainly like, you know, a one C, but that was really the closest they got to getting like the next generation, a player here. And I mean, shit, he's only five years younger than Giroux for that matter. He was five drafted five years after Drew. Like, You know, uh, we, we harp on this. We talked about it a little already, but. Nolan Patrick was supposed to be that, and he just wasn't. And, you know, when you and all their other draft picks have been not in the range where you find those guys. I mean, Ivan Provorov was the highest one. He was seventh overall. And I mean, right now he looks like a top four defenseman who is not a franchise cornerstone. And I mean, otherwise, you know, you've been drafting in the teens or the 20s. And like, that was always the risk with what Ron Hextall came here to do and, you know, not to really go down this road, but you think about it. And like, we, we talked about this one of the times I was on recently. I think the show right after a big Al got fired, we talked about this and like Ron Hextall's draft record wasn't terrible for what he was given. It wasn't terrible.
0: Well, and the thing is Hextall, like because he's drafting in the teens and also just because of his, his attitude towards it, there is a certain ceiling, a a pretty, like, I would say a B plus at highest ceiling that he was really drafting with. Like if you look at a lot of these guys, you look at like his more successful picks, like the Sanheim, Farabee, Konechny type picks, and Carter Hart, even to a degree, Carter Hart's probably got the highest ceiling of any of those guys. Mm -hmm. And as if you're looking at offensive talent, offensive firepower, really the highest guy you probably have is like Morgan Frost or Farabee. And they're both nice players, but they're just not they're not that high end talent that you really need to succeed a Claude Giroux and become the best player on the team.
1: Right. And yeah. So if you're, if your plan is don't bottom out, um, maybe you can make it work, but you've got to just absolutely nail the draft picks. And like we said at the time, you kind of have to get lucky sometime. He didn't. And then if you did, if you don't, then you really got to nail all of those picks or like, you got to get lucky later in the draft. And he by and large didn't like his, Ron Hextall was here for five drafts. And those drafts, his first round picks were 17th, 7th, 24th, 22nd, 2nd, 27th, 14th, and 19th. You're not going to find, I mean, the second, if you bust on the second one, which he did, you're not going to find another star, like a franchise changing player in that group, unless you're getting really lucky. And at that point, like if you don't do that, the only way you're really going to take that step is if you just nail every pick and he clearly has not like German Rubsov probably ain't that dude. Jay O'Brien probably ain't that dude. All these other guys that are here, like Morgan Frost has disappointed this year. I'm not all the way out on him, but like he need he it's disappointing. that He hasn't shown more granted, you know, everything is burning around him. Um, and all these other guys look like solid NHL players who should not be within like the three or four best players on your team. And due to the way things are set up now, they kind of have to be. And like, that was always the risk of what Ron Hextall did and, or and of how he tried to thread that needle. And it's a big reason why we're here now.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. It's a big reason why we're here now. It's just, yeah, it sucks. And I, I at least like, that Chuck Fletcher came out and, and acknowledged that was an issue and that it is tough to find that kind of player. I, I really do wonder what they're going to do about it. And I don't know. I think other than that though, I didn't really find too much new and wondrous about this, this press conference right here. Uh, any other takeaways you really had based on what, what Chuck Fletcher or Dave Scott said?
1: Yeah. I mean, not to let Dave Scott off the hook, but as as has been pointed out, like say what you will about what an owner should be, but like if you can get past for a second the fact that he is not Ed Snyder and that Ed Snyders exist so rarely in sports nowadays, and if we set aside even within that conversation, set aside that Ed Snyder, when he got involved, it wasn't always the best thing. Hello, Bruce Galov.
0: I mean, the closest comparable I can think of in another sport to Ed Snyder is Jerry Jones.
1: I I was I was sort of thinking Al Davis, but Al Davis is
0: also a great comp. There, honestly, it's all the same thing, right? Like these are owners, uh, or I guess an Ed Snyder. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say he was involved with Jerry Jones
1: because Jerry Jones is legitimately the general manager of that team as well. But like Al Davis, and and that like you shape the franchise around, like you know, the franchise was sort of shaped around what you wanted it to be for a long time, and like owners like that just rarely come around anymore partly because the people who buy sports teams nowadays are you know people who are in it for money like they just are you know like josh harris from the sixers there may have been a point where ed snyder was that but it like it clearly became you know this was clearly you know a a passion project for him you know it this was something he cared about with like more than anything in his life and owners like that just don't exist anymore. Like, it's so rare that, like, you singularly see a, you know, an owner who, you know, tries to be his team. Like, tries to be the face of his team the way that Ed Snyder was. Like, I don't know. Who else who else ran sports? Like,
0: uh, George fuck, Steiner.
1: Mark Cuban, maybe? I don't know. Mark Cuban,
0: I think, is, is one of the few who are very notable today. And, yeah, by the way, yeah. with Dave Scott, we also have to point out he is not the owner of the Philadelphia Flyers. He is the CEO. Like, he is not... He is not the sole owner of the Philadelphia right. Flyers. It is Comcast. Dave Scott is a spokesperson for Comcast that deals with the team and manages the team, mm-hmm. but he is not like an owner. Like, and even Ed Snyder in his later years wasn't, he was the chairman, but like it's, it, 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 he still had that ownership, but mm-hmm. like George Steinbrunner, Mark Cuban, like obviously George Steinbrunner had passed, but um, there's not really that many people nowadays. Like, al davis's son mark davis with his prince valiant haircut what is that
1: hair man
0: (laughs) is that harry is rich he should be getting great haircuts i get good haircuts for like 30 bucks so why is this rich man not get anyway i digress yeah he he definitely looks like somebody who was dropped on his head a few times what i didn't say that but mark davis obviously is one of the more visible odors nowadays jerry jones is obviously still around and being a piece of shit um I, there's not really that many other people and hockey in particular, uh, there really is nobody that you can compare to Ed Snyder in hockey that I can think of.
1: Now that I I, I feel like I'm maybe missing someone, but I might not be. And like, but to, to circle back here. So if you, if you're willing to acknowledge that you're probably not going to find another Ed Snyder because anyone who would buy the team is not an Ed Snyder. Like, like there aren't billionaires Kurt, to,
0: What if we just took, you know, what if Comcast decided to sell the team and (laughs) allowed the fans to choose the new owner of the team? One of the craziest things I have seen. I I,
1: I love I love I love the Internet. But okay, so as I as I keep like getting (laughs) I keep getting sidetracked by myself to say this, but like set aside that you're not going to find another Red Snyder. Okay, setting that aside, like what Comcast does is. They open up the checkbook. and at you know, as they said yesterday, like they you know, they made the comment about having a blank check. And if you understand that they weren't talking about the salary cap, which means they obviously they can spend eighty one and a half million dollars on players. like they're willing to spend on other things like scouting, like their analytics department, things like that. they're they, you know have an open checkbook for that stuff. And they and Dave Scott, it seems like, is largely willing to let the hockey people, make the decision. So if you want to question Dave Scott, it's, you know, for not being Ed Snyder, which again is just not really a, you know, he's not going to win that battle. And if that's, and if that's your standard, there's probably no coming back from that. You set that aside. If you want to criticize Dave Scott, it's because you don't think he's picking and listening to the right guys. And maybe you don't like, maybe you, maybe you could look at this and say, like he, like Chuck is selling him, you know, Chuck's selling him snake oil at this point, get him out. Of, like he's got to be able to see that. Or like he, you think he should be angrier should be more willing to, you know, hold people to account for what's happened this year. But. You know, purely from an ownership perspective, like, I don't know, unless you want him to fire Chuck Fletcher and he hasn't, I don't know what more you'll want. And that's not to say he's doing a bang up job, but like, I mostly want to not have to think about my own. So that's the thing. I mostly want to not have to think about them at all. And the only reason we're thinking about Dave Scott is because we kind of want Chuck Fletcher to get fired. Like that's the only reason we're talking about him.
0: Even Ed Snyder, like one of the last big splashes I remember Ed Snyder doing was the Ilya Prisgalov move, which was a disaster, a disaster that this team will be paying for, for at least five more years. And which is wild to me, but
1: so funny. God, you know,
0: like I, I that's still a stunning move to me, but going back to Dave Scott and his role and everything, Dave Scott's really only had one hire and that's Chuck Fletcher because as many people seem to willingly forget Ron Hextall was Ed Snyder's pick to take over. Ed Snyder wanted Ron Hextall to try something new with the club. And I know people act like Ron Hextall is like, just an all time villain for the Flyers, but Ron Hextall tried something new and it didn't work. It's that simple. He tried something new, didn't work. And the Flyers need to do something new because the Flyers have not won a Stanley Cup. And we all know this since the mid-70s. Oh, wow. But this franchise is this. like they've needed to evolve for a long time. And Dave Scott can't just write, write checks, right, and, and pay money to get the Flyers out of this. That's what they used to do. They can't do that. They spend up to the cap every year. They do. And it's not about that. You have to be smart within the confines of the cap because the NHL cap is not like the NBA cap or the NFL cap where you can get creative and do weird shit like Paul Holmgren did to a degree. But like, it's pretty strict for the most part. And you really can't like, it's not baseball where you just have to simply spend over a limit, right? And pay extra money. And the Phillies just refuse to do that. It's not that it's not like they're cheaping out. Like they just, they just fired Elaine Vigneault, who they're going to pay millions of dollars to for a couple years to not work. Like this is a uh, clearly they're willing to spend money. And I think Chuck Fletcher is a smart guy. I think he's a good hire. I, I don't necessarily know if he's the right guy for this next phase of the Flyers. I think it's also like Ron Hextall, where he was well-intentioned, and I thought he made a lot of uh, good, interesting moves, but it just hasn't worked out. I, But I don't think that's, like, severe incompetence on Comcast's part. And yeah, they're not as personal about it as Ed Snyder, but, like, who is, as you said?
1: Yeah, and and, you know, and we can move on from this here in a minute, but, like, if you want to talk about You know, is he straying from the as the franchise, like straying from the Flyers way? It's important to note that, like, he has senior advisor, like people he listens to that are like longtime fixtures of this organization, including, you know, the greatest Flyer of all time, Bobby Clark, who is still in the front office and still a significant part of the front office from what it sounds like. So, you know, as he's going out and shit talking the old guy, like, remember, he is still like part of the group that's making decisions. And like, you have plenty of guys like that that are still around and, you know, and a point that was made on not this, not this week's BSH radio, which is very good. You know, came out earlier today. They talked about it on, a, they talked about the press conference basically the whole time. Um, Worth listening to though. If you're here, I'm sure you're listening to that already, but as they talked about last in last week's episode, um, you know, Mike Sealski, we've made fun of him a lot because he has a, a lot of bad opinions. But, you know, when Craig Berube came here and he started talking about a cult and Mike Sielski was the guy who was banging the drum about all this culture change shit, a lot of people agreed with him. And somehow now we've swung all the way in the opposite direction. Now that Ed Snyder is gone, a lot of people have swung all the way in the opposite direction because things aren't working. And like, we want to go back to how it was before when Ed Snyder was here. And yet eight years ago, we all like people wanted him you know people thought that the flyers needed to abandon what they were before and now that we're losing differently they think we need to go back to what we were before it all just sucks because we're losing and we want to fu- and when you lo- and when you're losing you say we got to do things differently and whether that's what it was before or something new i don't fucking know but we're all going insane from this season and the last 5 and really the last like 10
0: we've been going insane since gopher left basically
1: yeah. Only other thing that was interesting that I wanted to point out: a lot of Danny Briere talking there, huh? A lot of Danny Briere conversation in that uh, in that presser. Oh wow! Yeah,
0: there was. And what do I have on that? I think it's from Thirty Two Thoughts. Uh, yeah. So this is mentioned. I have a bunch of notes from Thirty Two Thoughts from the past couple of weeks because we did not do a fly last week, and let's see. I think this is from this week's where it was a uh, Friedman pointed out. Danny Breer said Daniel Briere sat with Flyers GM Chuck Fletcher and assistant Brent, Brent Flair during Monday's three to one loss to Dallas. Now that he's not going to Montreal, there could be an increased role in Philly. So that, that was the whole note on that. So that's interesting. And there is a lot of talk of him and he could be a guy that. It could be, I mean, it, he's obviously been groomed for a while, and I was a little surprised he didn't get the Montreal job.
1: Yeah, I mean, he even speaks French. That's 90% of the job up there.
0: Wild. Still that's, wild.
1: That's only a little bit of an exaggeration.
0: Can I also point out that uh, Slam and Sammy, our friend of the show, we did a whole tribute to him a couple Hello. weeks ago. It's a beautiful thing. He asked Dave Scott about attendance because, of course, he did. And. You know, Dave Scott came in and mentioned a number I mean, of that's, factors. On, and, its,
1: on its merits, that's not a ridiculous question. I guess. Who gives a
0: shit? I, I, I don't know. It's like such an obsession. And I just... I'm so sick of it. I don't care. But Dave Scott, of course, then goes and mentions a number of factors and mentions the vaccine mandate as if that did it. And that just... I think listeners will know I'm passionate about this, about vaccines and masks and everything and keeping yourself safe from COVID and all that. And I think this vaccine mandate has been very good. Uh, I felt much safer at this most recent Flyers game I went to than the previous ones. And yes, I know COVID can still be spread uh, to people that are vaccinated and I know how the science works on that. So shut up. But I just wanted to point out, the Sixers are averaging 20,288 fans a game, second in the NBA behind Chicago, 100.7% capacity. The Flyers are averaging 17,230 fans a game, 13th in the NHL, 88.2% capacity. And it does look a lot emptier than that, that's for sure. But it's not the fucking mandate, guys. It's the team playing shitty hockey. Who wants to pay what hundreds of dollars to attend a hockey game to see a bad team? Nobody does.
1: No, no, and yeah, I mean you noted in here like the Sixers under the same mandate, and it doesn't seem like they're having quite as much problems because they're good. They're good. They're playing
0: good basketball. And different different are, fan
1: base. Different fan base that might be more willing. But I
0: mean I guess but like But also I, they're
1: good. You know, I've the seen the, were, Sixers yeah, stats yeah, you know, the Sixers stands when the Sixers are that, bad. I say that, but if the Flyers were good, people would go.
0: People would go. It's the old, like, if you, as I noted, if you build it, and it being a good roster, they will come. And it's not, like, yeah, it's like half empty. We've seen the Sixers during the process. Those stands,
1: there were like 10 people in it. You could buy it. a whole row of seats for four cents.
0: Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> Still uh, Danny and Mark with the the, the heroic effort to chronicle legendary. buying. Legendary right there, My my former roommate was part of that which is still funny to me but i, I it's just like it's just, shut up <laughs> that's all it came down to shut up uh otherwise like i thought the comments were fine from fletcher and scott my question for you kurt oh boy. is: do boy, you boy. think that chuck fletcher is the general manager of the philadelphia flyers this time next year
1: this time next year yeah I I honestly kind of thought that they might like go in another direction, but they seem unwilling to do that. I guess we'll see what happens the rest of the year. But I do think that, yeah, I do think so.
0: How short of a leash does he have?
1: Good question. I mean, if the, you know, if the, if the front office really, and ownership really thinks that like this team is where it is, because like it needs more talent, but like it thinks it is where it is because of injuries and with just a little bit more talent this summer, they'll get there. Like if it doesn't happen next year, what do they do? Like, I don't know. I feel, You feel like his seat would be more hot. But also, and this is something I, I discussed. Yeah, I was talking about a couple of days ago. Like, if the front office has become convinced that Ron Hextall poisoned the well, whether because he made it, you know, he made them stray from the Flyers way or whatever the fuck, or because <laughs> more likely because he just didn't pick enough good players or find enough good players during his time here, then maybe they think Chuck should get a little bit longer a leash to untangle that mess. But like, this time next year, yeah, I think so, probably. I don't know if, like, if you know, if next year isn't a meaningful step forward. I mean, then it's three straight bad years. I feel like at that point you kind of had to pull the plug. But what do I know?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's clearly Danny Briere time at that point.
1: Hey, I like it. He's I getting groomed. Like He's getting groomed. Like
0: yeah, I don't know. I'm into it because it's at least somebody with a new perspective, but. Of course, he's played for the Flyers, which means he can't do it. It means it's the uh, same old business. It means culture change ain't happening.
1: <sighs> yeah.
0: Seal Team Six says culture change Love it here. <laughs> I
1: don't
0: think I've heard that one. I don't think I've heard I, that. I just <laughs> threw that out there. That's was it's the a first good one. time. Yeah, thank you. I like that. Thank you. Seal <laughs> <CL> Team Six.
1: <laughs> <CLS> team. <laughs> now, what,
0: what's the better slogan for the rest of the season? Is it play wrong for right, or is it shit the sheets for Savoy?
1: Um... The former, I think they'll. I I like, I mean, I like the idea for the latter, but I don't know. It's a little, a little too wordy. A little too wordy.
0: Wrong for right, I think is, it's nice and to the point and, you know, it's catchy.
1: It's a good hashtag. Because they're going to have a chance for him going to yeah. have a chance.
0: They're going to have a chance. And
1: I mean, look- where else is he going to go? Arizona and their 5,000 seat arena.
0: Oh my God. That was news that came out today that they were exploring p- playing in. What was it? The university of Arizona's
1: Arizona state university. Arizona
0: yeah. state. Okay. It's not a uh, pizza by uh, it's, It's not pizza by Alfredo. It's Alfredo's Pizza Cafe. I get it. So, but regardless, they're investigating because they can't afford rent on their current building because nobody wants to see the fucking Arizona Coyotes. They're looking at playing in a 5,000-seat arena, and it's just insane to me that Gary Bettman will not, like, move this franchise. I
1: want it to work there, but it just, like, every time it seems like it might, it just fucking doesn't. And, like, it sucks. And I want it to... Like it's a, it's a great market if you, if they can make it work, you know, I mean, it's fuck what, like the sixth largest market in the country or something like that. I technically just
0: surpassed Philadelphia because they, I read it was because of Sprawl. Fuckers. Yeah. They have all this, just this huge Sprawl area that they call Phoenix. So that's, you know, that's what it is. They don't even play in Phoenix. Give me a break. They could play anywhere, but Vegas too. Let's do it.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I want it to work. It, It just increasingly doesn't look good.
0: Five thousand seat arena, like they're gonna be. Do they even have? Real and it's seats? gonna look it really bleachers? bad when that
1: doesn't sell out. Like, let's let's be honest here.
0: Oof, it's just a disgrace. But the the Coyotes just, despite having some of the most fun jerseys in NHL history, because those are fantastic jerseys, but mm-hmm. it's just not work It's never worked. It's never going no. to work. And um, apologies to Austin Matthews, who's pretty much the only hockey player to really come out of that market. Because of the coyotes in particular. But, like, otherwise?
1: If you I count know. Sean Couturier, which we probably don't. He was born there, and then he, you know, moved. Yeah. But, he probably yeah, moved I, because I there
0: were no coyotes. Yeah, really. I yeah. guess they were just starting out. How old is Sean Couturier? He's almost 30, right?
1: He's... He... I think he just turned 29.
0: Okay. And the coyotes came in, what, 96, I want to say?
1: Uh, That sounds about right.
0: So, yeah, he, he, Besty was like a little baby, right? I can't do math. How does math
1: work? Um, yeah, 1996. Good call.
0: Yeah, so he wasn't around. Like, the Coyotes didn't exist to influence Sean Cotter. That's why he bugged out of Phoenix. They were like, this this baby, this child we have just produced is going to be a hockey player, so to Canada we must go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, I, I hope things work out, but it increasingly just looks like they won't for no. that, for that franchise.
0: No. Well, maybe they can, maybe bring them to Philly. We can have a second team. They can both suck. It'll be great. Maybe
1: they'll shit for Shane.
0: Shit for Shane. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Oh my God. So I have a bunch of other notes from the 32 thoughts because you know the Flyers are interesting because they suck uh, and they could potentially interesting in a be bad selling. way interesting in a bad way. So a couple notes here. Uh, first one here: If Philadelphia had been willing to take a late round pick for Martin Jones, it's possible he would already be an Edmonton Oiler. But the Flyers wanted something better and felt the market will strengthen as we get closer to the deadline. So that, that's interesting that Martin Jones is already being fished over and might be a potential trade piece and makes a lot of sense. He's been better than expected here this year. And I I don't I feel like you could plug Sandstrom in or somebody and you'd be just fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was interesting and like reading the rest of what he said, like he said, he doesn't want to trade his first rounder. And I mean, I cannot imagine that like that was seriously in conversation for Martin Jones. I I just can't imagine that. Um, But like, I mean, if you're getting, if you can get even just like a mid rounder for him, like, I mean, it says here, if they'd willing to take a late round pick. So let's assume that's like a six. Let's assume that they were offered a six for Martin Jones. A six or seven. And they said no. So like, how, how much do they think they can get for him? Cause like, again, there's a decent list of guys in here that, um, that are on this, you know, are in this, uh, thought here by, by like Freeman uh, Georgiev, Holtby, Vilihuso, uh, Hudobin, Korpisalo, Vanacek, Varlamov, like there are a lot of names on that list. And I mean, I guess I like you might still be able to, yeah. I mean, you might, I mean, you know, Jones has flexibility and that, you know, he, you know, is an, is an aspiring, like he might be an upgrade over some other teams, um, current backup situations, but like, I feel like you're getting greedy if you think you're going to get a whole lot more than that. And who knows? I could be wrong. Like maybe that he's got a, maybe Chuck's got a good sense for the market, but maybe he doesn't. But yeah, I mean, if you can, and we'll talk more about the other folks you can sell, but if you can get like a really a five or above for him, I think you just take it. And yeah, I'm not, I am on record as not the world's biggest Felix Sandstrom guy, but at this point, who fucking cares?
0: Who cares if you really want a dedicated backup? I'm sure there's going to be a guy next year. It's all about getting draft capital right now. And right. I really like this is why I'm bringing up the, the sales stuff already, the fire sale stuff, because I really do want the Flyers to sell as many of these guys for assets as they can. I felt like the Flyers really made an effort in the offseason to get character guys in here. And a few older guys that they really could use to to try and get over the hump and make a better locker room and environment. And it just has not worked. It has not worked nope. between injuries and also just the hockey has not been good. It has not been good. So because that hasn't worked, I feel like, and they also have a lot of expiring contracts. So there's just a lot of guys to sell right now. and. If you really want to do a quick rebuild, what was the term that Chuck used? It was like a...
1: Aggressive retool.
0: An aggressive retool. If you want to do an aggressive retool, it's about having draft capital, things that you can move in either trades or just drafting guys and building up the system again and taking some risks on guys. The more picks you mm-hmm. have, the more risks you can take.
1: Yep. So Jones is one... Um, you've got a few other guys. And again, as we sort of said with Drew's the most prominent and obviously important case, but it's hard to align. We like our team and we think the team can contend next year with, we want to sell off all our, uh, our UFAs, unless you think you bring them back in free agency, which rarely ever actually happens, but it, you know, there are other guys out there, most notably a, um, a certain large right-hand shot defenseman.
0: Yeah, who the Flyers paid a pretty penny to get in the first place, Rasmus Ristolainen, Who, if this guy is not signing here, and there's another Elliot Friedman thought on that, mm-hmm. you really have to move on from him. Like, you yep. have to have a good sense. And, you know, thankfully, there's a little bit more time to figure it out. But, I mean, I, I think listeners of this show, and all apologies to the wrist Alliance on this, but I think listeners will know we're not the biggest fans of this guy. And uh, the note from, I think this was two weeks ago on 32 Thoughts, uh, Friedman said, Thirteen, Dallas has increased efforts to move John Klingberg in the minds of everyone involved. It's time. Fourteen, another unrestricted defender to watch is Philadelphia's Rasmus Ristolainen. There was a time this was headed in the direction of the player testing the market. We will see if it changes. So that was two weeks ago, and that kind of seemed to imply that there might be a chance the Flyers sign him. And I almost feel like we, we feel like it's headed the other direction at this point, which if Ristelainen wasn't very happy with his experience in Philadelphia so far, I don't think anybody would blame him.
1: No, of course not. I mean, he was in Buffalo for eight years. He has no reason to have particular alliances to Philadelphia. I mean, he seems like a good dude, seems like they like him, but he has no reason to have you know loyalty to this city or this franchise. And I mean, if I were him, I I watch what happened in my one year here. I'm like, didn't I just leave this? Yeah, I mean, if I I think if I were him, I'd tell the Flyers it's going to take some exorbitant amount of money for you to pay me. And like, I just we just had to hope Chuck Fletcher does not take that as a challenge because like I think he knows that after giving up a one and a two last summer, you can't let that guy walk for nothing. And like Fletcher said in the presser yesterday, like we traded for him with the intent of resigning him. Of course, you also traded for him with the intent of competing this year, and that shit ain't happening either. So, you again, like they, there's a number, hopefully a number they have in mind, and if he isn't willing to meet it, then, yeah, you got to trade him. And, I mean, again, for the same reason that they gave up a lot for him, they could get a fair amount back. I don't know that they could get everything back that they traded for him. It's very feasible you could get a first-round pick for him and maybe another pick. Like, absolutely possible.
0: I would take a second back for him. I was just like so upset at how much they gave for him in the first place. And what are your thoughts on how Ristolainen's look? I know we talked about him early on when it was a little bit more like he had his staunch defenders and he had uh, his people that really hated him. And it feels like the the takes on him have cooled a lot and haven't quite met in the middle. But, you know, that certainly isn't as divided
1: as it was. Eh. Once a week on Twitter, an argument, a big argument breaks out about Rasmus line And I just like, uh, here's what's going to happen. Uh, and like, I, I am announcing this now that if the Flyers do trade Rasmus line and I will say what I'm about to say, which is give my opinion on him in one tweet. I will turn off replies for that tweet. I will mute any conversation and I will never talk about the guy again because God bless him. I just don't want to do it anymore. But since you kindly asked, Um, he's probably been like, I don't know, like a number five, like a, a number five caliber defenseman this year. Like he hasn't been the problem. He's probably been a little better than I thought he would be. I would not by any stretch say he's been great. I would not say he's been like a no doubt second pair guy. He's certainly not worth a one and a two to have the guy for less than a year. He has not been terrible, but I, you know, he has, he definitely has like visible defensive gaffes while he's out there. And like the idea that he's you know, this, this reliable defensive presence seemed silly at the time. And if that's what you're watching, when you watch him, we're just not watching the same hockey games. Like he is a risk taker and sometimes that's fun to watch, but like he gets caught out of position a lot and it's, it's not what you'll want from that guy. So like, is he, is his game without, you know, redeeming qualities? No, he can, he can play some, he's probably in being out of Buffalo has made him look better but in my opinion but i still would not like on a good team where he isn't asked to do much and where you can like settle him down and maybe like get some bad traits out of him like get some you know some of the bad behaviors that were sort of ingrained into his um his mind in buffalo out of him he might be like a number five i don't think that i mean but it's hard to move off of where, you know, where I had him coming in, which is like, if this dude can be a competent third pair defenseman, that's good. I wouldn't call it a win given what the Flyers gave up for him. Obviously, you're not giving up a one and a two for a competent third pair defenseman, but like relative to my expectations, that's fine. But that's also not even close to good enough for what they gave up for him. And that's why you kind of have to deal him if you can't.
0: Yeah, I think at this point it's about recouping a little bit of the loss. Like, you, it, it was worth it to kind of give him a test drive, right, and see if this is the guy that you really think he is. Because most GMs, at least old school GMs, will look at him and look at his raw physical attributes and just see his fear, you know, his pure size, and say, "Holy shit!" And he's a right-handed shot, and he can, you know, he can pass a little bit, he can shoot a little bit. Like, oh man, this is a unicorn. This is like an amazing player. And it just doesn't translate like you would think it was just based on what you see on paper. And I'm not talking about statistics. I'm talking about like his actual physical attributes.
1: Right. Yeah. So, I mean, he, you know, again, you see why some folks like him, but if you really watch, I think there are, there are obvious warts in this game. Like again, the, the risk reward balance isn't always right with him with and without the puck on the stick. So I don't know. He's not terrible. He's not terrible. He's not terrible.
0: I was saying this to Maddie on the Phantoms podcast, that the one thing I want him to do is clear the goddamn crease. And that's the thing he does not do. And it drives me yeah. insane because all I want out of a big physical guy, or it's two things I want out of a big physical defender. I want him to, you know, hit guys, which he does do. It, maybe not, maybe not as bone crunching as I thought it was going to be. If I'm going to, you know, pull my caveman brain out for a minute. Like, no I really body big. Hey, am I right?
1: You know, oh, 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 micro hits body. Big. hey.
0: Not that, you know, the the wrist alliance maybe is not is shuddering in the stands from the the physical dance. Like, sometimes he lays a guy out big time, but like, I was expecting some more like 90s level hits from him. And I'm not really seeing that. I mean, he lays guys out. Don't get me wrong. But like, OK, so that's one thing you want. The other thing I want, I want the crease to just be a high danger area for Offensive players who are trying to post up. I want him to kick those guys' yep. asses out of the crease. You get out of Carter Hart's way. Carter Hart owns this crease, and I'm the
1: bouncer, and I'm pushing. Yep. And, it, and it ain't what happens. It just isn't what happens. That's Not- all
0: I want from him. Nope. I'd give him six million dollars based on that if he did that, but he doesn't do that, so he ain't getting shit
1: yet. Ugh, I don't want to give God. him six
0: million dollars, and he's gonna get like there's a very real possibility that he is gonna make a contract in the seven to eight
1: million dollar range. Dear God. Yeah. And you're not wrong either. My goodness.
0: It's stunning. It's stunning. And if you can trade him now and not pay that price to, because that's a big cap hit. And we've mentioned the cap a few times because cap is so core to building up a good team. And if you're spending a large chunk of that cap on Rasmus Ristolainen, your hockey team is not going to succeed.
1: Nope. Doesn't seem like it. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't feel like I need to dunk on the guy anymore. Like I've made I've made my opinion clear like he's a he is an NHL level player who is not as good as a lot of people think. So it goes
0: if he made like three and a half million, I think it would be perfectly fine because then you could put him on like the bottom four pairing, you know, and you wouldn't have to think about him. Like if he honestly played like Justin Broad a little bit more, I'd be pretty
1: happy. Yeah, no, again, he's a, he's a risk-taker who people have convinced themselves as, like, a solid stay-at-home defenseman, and it's just not a game.
0: But he's taking risks on dumb shit. The end shit. result like, is he's
1: not great at either side of the equation.
0: What drives me nuts is he takes risks to, like, hit guys. And it's like, yeah. no, don't do that! Like, if you're gonna take a risk, take a risk like fucking Keith Yandel, which is, like... Keith Yandel's one risk is like oh I can get this I can pinch and get this buck oh no it's going the other way and (laughs) oh I've given up a
1: shorthanded goal
0: oh my god yeah Uh... you know congratulations to Keith Yandel
1: on the Ironman I would really like to trade him tomorrow man look man at this point if you want to tank again I'm not trying to be mean but if you want to if you want to lose games keeping that dude in the lineup ain't the worst thing in the world
0: he I, just seems like such a nice guy yeah. and a positive influence he thanks his Kevin goaltender. Hayes best s- friend sunk and I just he's just not he's just not good, good at things oh, okay. he's good, he can still shoot the puck and pass pretty well but that defensive side him and Eric Gustafson could just, you know they're Spider-Man pointing at each other defensive oh skills wise
1: yeah, yikes, oh yeah that's true isn't it um, but no, if you can get something for Keith Handel, you do, which I think brings us to the next part of the outline here, our tradability tiers for yes. your mind, our Philadelphia Flyers.
0: Yes. And I decided to make the, I, at first I was going to rate each player on a, a scale, a classic fly perfectly scale, but then I said <laughs> tiers was the way to go. And we've got three tiers here. We've got the, uh, the, the shut it down tier, which is uh, of course named after John Taffer coming into a bar that's not doing its job well and saying shut it down! So that means it's not happening or shouldn't happen and then there's the needs more donkey sauce tier which is uh, I can be sold on this but I don't know or it's unlikely to happen so the, the Guy Fieri special and one more Guy Fieri which is the, the, the trip to Flavortown which make means make it happen Chuck and that doesn't Yeehaw. necessarily mean that it's a slam dunk like awesome trade that will happen but it means that It's it should happen or is going to happen. Like it seems likely, (laughs) or I or I'd like it to. There's quite a few I would like it to that I've listed here, and uh, uh, feel free to object wherever you see appropriate, Kurt. But uh, I think Mm. we'll agree on most of these.
1: Looking at it, we may have a couple points of discussion here, but generally speaking, yes. So let's 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 run through these.
0: All right. So so starting it off with the John Taffer Memorial, shut it down, tier. It's Sean Couturier, Carter Hart, Ryan Ellis, and I have Wade Allison in here. You could move him in the donkey sauce for me, but I have him here just because I don't think you're getting anywhere near his value, and he's always hurt, so who fucking knows? But Couturier just signed a big contract, your best two-way player, still young enough, also hurt, and probably out for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Carter Hart, potential franchise goaltender, you know, he's had some lumps, don't get me wrong. And last year was obviously an atrocity, but I feel like he's bounced back well this year and you're never going to get anywhere near the value that you would get for him. Ryan Ellis, God. Does he even exist? I don't know if he exists,
1: but I don't know who this man is.
0: I don't know who this man is, but when this man, the two, three games I saw him play were magnificent. So you're never getting a deal like him like that for him again. So maybe we can get him some Lieutenant Dan magic legs and get him (laughs) back out there. But look, don't trade him.
1: You know, it doesn't make any sense. With Couturier and Ellis, you know, knowing that the Flyers both made significant commitments to them, like with Ellis trading for him while he had six years on his contract and for with Couturier, um, just signing him to an eight-year deal. Like, if you're another team and the Flyers try and trade him to you, these guys who are like 29 or 31 in Ellis's case, so he's 30 or 31. If you're another team, the Flyers are trying to trade these guys for you right after they had this injury-riddled season, I'm sitting here thinking, what do you know that I don't? So like even if they wanted to trade those guys and based on what we know, there's no reason to believe they do. But even if they wanted to, they're not going. Um Hart and Allison or, you know, Hard obviously, different case from Allison. Um, again, unless you know uh, again, like unless you know something behind the scenes that we don't, um, I don't see why you'd trade him. He's been good this year, not like Vesna level, but he's been good. Um, and Wade Allison, yeah, again, unless some team bowls you over with an offer, it says like we love this dude and we'll give you, you know two first round picks for him, like you're not, you're probably not trading him because he's still, the skill set there is good and fun and something that this team needs. So yeah, I I don't disagree with any of these ultimately.
0: Now this is the needs donkey sauce category, which means that, you know, these are guys that you could convince me to trade, but I, I, I'm not likely to or i think the return just wouldn't even be worth the time and effort so the guys i have listed here i have ivan proveroff travis konechny joel farabee oscar limblom travis sanheim scott lawton morgan frost max willman jerry mayhew and nick sealer i mean i would trade nick sealer in a heartbeat but like you're gonna get like a can of coke for him
1: so, so yeah, I mean, Nick Sealer, like, I forget what kind of contract he's on, but yeah, I mean, if you could get an asset, if a team honestly wants him, yeah, bye. And that's sort of the case for like the other tweeners, like your Wilmans and your Mayhews, though. They're not, or, I mean, Mayhew is 29 years old. If you can get something for him, I mean, it, eh, I don't know. I could be convinced to keep him unless you get like a solid pick, which you won't. So yeah, at this point, like a seventh round pick isn't worth more to you than Jerry Mayhew based on what you've seen. Same idea with Max Wollman. Like he's, I'm, I'm not enamored with him, but like maybe there's something there. And you know, sometimes even even if there isn't at the NHL level, like it's clear he can be a good AHL player, and there is value in that. Other games on the list, interesting. I don't think I realized Farabee wasn't in the first group, and maybe I'd bump him there. Um, Farabee like, was again, the number one guy. I can. see If you get in that first if group you that get group. bowled over with an offer for him, like some team makes you a Godfather offer for Joel Farabee. You would think about it, but I don't see, I don't see a realistic timeline in which he's traded. I mean, he's under contract for the next six years. It's feasible, like even if they did their three to five year rebuild that they said they weren't going to do, you could feasibly have a Joel Faraby in his prime still playing well when that rebuild's done. I don't see, I don't see him getting moved. You got some. There are some other interesting names on here. Like this is, you know, this is the Hextall group. This is the group of guys drafted by Ron Hextall. That we all thought were going to be a little better than they are.
0: Holy shit, you're right. I didn't even realize yep. that. Like I accidentally yeah. put together like all of Ron Hextall's all draft picks.
1: Hextall's writers. Writers. <laughs> yep. Um, other than Scott Lawton, who you know, if you same idea, like he he's you know he tries hard. He's a good guy to have around when things are tough. I like but, Scott Lawton. Um, you not, can put I'm him in. there. Like, to the guy. Yeah.
0: yeah. You can put him in like anywhere in the lineup and he's going to play pretty well, but like, who cares if he gets traded? It's
1: like if they, if they weren't going to trade him last year when he was on an expiring contract, I don't think they're going to trade him now. No, no. But yeah. So the other names on here are interesting. Um, Ivan Provorov, like there's, there's been a little bit of talk about this. I don't think there have been any actual concrete rumors, but like Elliot Friedman made some comment about teams like, or about something about Ivan Provorov nothing that suggested a trade was imminent or even like in the realm of likelihood, but but you know, like it was a name that had hadn't
0: a- even crossed my mind before he mentioned right. it.
1: Right. And like, you know, he's had a couple underwhelming years here now. Um, It's, it's been like 50, 50 in a given year, whether he looks like the guy, the flyers thought they were getting the draft or hasn't. And with that kind of guy, what do you do? Like, it's again, like if you think that his value is high, then yeah, you can, you I could be convinced to deal that guy.
0: Oh, for sure. And I I really like Provy some days of the week, Uh, some other days, namely when he's on the power play. I don't like him so much. <sighs> Yikes. And he, he's just not good there. Like, he's just, it's not a position for him. Please stop. Whoever the next head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers is, for the love of God, do not put Ivan Provorov on any power play units. I swear to God, if you do that, we will revolt and tear down the Wells Fargo center. No, it won't happen. If it hasn't happened yet, it won't happen. Then sorry to the bagheads, but I just Provorov is a guy that I hadn't really thought about trading until he came up in that. And then I'm like, I would do it at this point. Like I, 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 two years ago, wouldn't have fathomed it. And now I'm like, I think after seeing him with legitimate partners, and clearly he needs those partners to succeed, I think I would consider it now because he's not the guy that elevates other people. He needs to be elevated by other guys.
1: Yeah, a team could be convinced that playing next to the right guy, he's that dude. Uh, but the Flyers don't have that guy. So
0: Right, well they do, but he is just hurt all the
1: time. He's right? he's de- He He might not exist.
0: He might be a mythological creature, I don't know. So, interesting name on here for me. Is Travis Konechny, the Jerk Store himself, the Jerk Store's all-time bestseller. TK, we love him and we hate him. Well, I don't hate him, but I I feel like Konechny, on his best days, he's a rat, he's scoring, he's getting shots on, he's pissing off the other team, and I just don't feel like I see that Konechny very often, but he is also third on the team in scoring.
1: I don't think I'm dealing Travis Konechny for, like, picks. I think if you're dealing him, it's in a hockey trade, you know? Yes, like I agree completely. A winger that you for like another player of comparable status that you think may be a different fit in the locker room or something like that. Cuz like again, like I've seen people say is he an NHL player? Like is he, you know, he might be a third line winger and like shut the fuck up. Like Travis Konechny... <laughs> in in here. I'm I'm going to I'm going to go use numbers and things like that. Like real advanced numbers like points here. Hold on. So in Travis Konechny, 6 years in the uh, National Hockey League. It's points per game. Just like straight up. Is he is he helping put the puck in the net? Um, I had it. Where was it? Um, here we go. Uh 0. 0.4, 0. 0.58, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.92, 0. 0.68, and this current year 0. 0.59. Um, that is at bare minimum, bare minimum second land winger production. And that's, you know, with what this team has been in the last couple of years. And you know, he's spent a fair amount of time with Drew and Keneckney, absolutely. That or er, Drew and Couturier. that absolutely helps. But, um, you know, he, he can play like he is an offensive producer in the national hockey league. And if you think, and if you want to just get rid of him right now, you're probably just doing it. Cause you're mad. Maybe there might be a trade out there that makes sense, but I feel like trading him now is probably selling low in a way that yeah shouldn't.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like, I, I really think unless you're trading for a significant player, it's not worth it. And I just don't see that happening. And th- I think that's ultimately why a lot of these guys fell into this middle tier for me, because I just either didn't think the return would be worth it or they're just good players that you're never going to get like the right value for. And one of the other guys I have listed here in a very similar category would be Travis Sanheim, where Travis Sanheim is <laughs> Travis Sanheim and Travis connect the Travi if you will, are, are so similar career trajectory wise. Although Santa, I feel like has more legitimate haters. He's like Matt Carl. Oh yeah. Coburn where people really think he is a shit defenseman.
1: He suffers from JVR syndrome where he's big or, or Braden Coburn syndrome where he's big and skates fast. So people are annoyed that he doesn't use those things to their full advantage, which like you could hold against him, but like, he's not a big hitter, even though he looks like he should be. And that frustrates people. And like, also, his defensive instincts aren't great, so like, you know, he'll end up in situations similar to Risto, where like he'll look at a position for a guy or on a play, and a guy'll get sneak past him and score, and people are like, "Dude, what the fuck are you doing?"
0: Which is great to have them together.
1: But he makes, oh, oh my god, no, I, like he makes good plays that people don't notice, especially with the puck on a stick. So like he he is not without his positives as an NHL player, but like he, you know, his current contract is probably like market value. Um, you could be taught, talk- I could be talked into dealing him, uh, in the right move, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it'll happen. Like, cause that's, it's what makes this whole exercise tough for anyone who isn't like an expiring guy that like their value seems like it's down. And he seems like one where it's like that too, though, a lot of, though, I know some folks have been convinced that Rasmus or Salina made him better this year. So
0: yes, that's an opinion that's floating out there, which is wild. Uh,
1: it's a thing that people think.
0: I, I you know I like sandheim I don't think he's he's great per se but I think he is an above average defenseman. I think he's perfectly suited to the the, the pairing he's on the second pairing and uh with the right partner Any what what's Sanheim's current cap hit at
1: uh like 4.6 I think
0: yeah a perfectly fine cap hit uh, you know that honestly it doesn't sound like a lot but that million difference he makes from risto. Every little bit counts. And really, if you're paying a defenseman over five mil, he needs to be a good defenseman. So unless Mm -hmm. Ristolainen is what his reputation is, you know, I don't know if he's worth keeping Uh, or paying more than what he's currently making. And I don't really think he's worth what he's currently making. But we've talked a lot about Ristolainen.
1: No arguments there.
0: The other guy from this group worth mentioning is Oscar Lindblom, who... I really don't see any point in trading Oscar Lindblom. Uh, I think he's picked up his play of late, and given everything he's been through, I think, you know, the road to recovery has been pretty long. And regardless of that, I just don't know if you're ever going to get a good return for Oscar Lindblom, at least at the point he's at currently. It just doesn't really make sense to me.
1: Also, he has, like, quietly been producing lately. Not a ton, but relative to the rest of the team, like, I think he at one, I remember checking during one of the recent games, like in the last, however many he was, I think the team's leader in five on five scoring. So like he is slowly starting, he is starting to get his legs back under him, which like, you know, I don't want to say like you would have hoped for more, but because like, who the fuck am I to say that given what he's gone through, but like who know? And it's, it's tough to say like, you know, he may be one where I think you probably just keep him around and hope that, you know, you give him a little more time and what increasingly looks like it's, you know, going to be some low risk games that the rest of the way this year and hope that he, you know, something re, you know, rekindles for him. But, you know, with anyone, as with anyone else on here, like with the right offer, you let him go. But I don't, I don't know if that offer is going to come. Right. And I don't so I, I'd, I'd be more than willing to keep him around.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that brings yeah. us to our last tier here. It's just the, the trip to Flavortown. And these are all the guys that I am willing to trade, would love to trade tomorrow, frankly, if I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, some of these guys I'm gonna differ on more so than other ones, but like for the most part, I would ship these guys out tomorrow for the right deal.
1: So let's let's talk let's talk about the UFAs first. Um let's because they're the rest are kind of a different category. Claude Giroux, Justin Braun, Martin Jones, Keith Endo, Rasmuster Line in, uh, Derek Broussard. And I think Patrick Brown, Zach McEwen, and Kevin Connaughton are all in one-year deals. Yeah. Um, those last three guys, if you can get anything for them, bye. Like, I know Zach McEwen's become a bit of a, of a cult hero around here, but, like, I'm not convinced he's a good NHL player. Like, there is a reason the Vancouver Canucks waived him.
0: You got all three of those guys from waivers. So, yeah. frankly, if you can get a seventh round
1: pick. And you get literally anything for any that, of them.
0: That's a nice bye. return on investment right there.
1: Yeah, so your other your other rentals, Claude Drew, we've talked about that. Um, you know, f- f- seems like it's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, just Martin Jones, we talked about Ristolainen, we've talked about Keith yandel again. Like, if you can get anything for him, by Justin Brown is the only one of these we haven't talked about, and I feel like, you know, I mean, the Flyers gave up a two and when they traded for him, they gave up a two and a three for one year of him. He is a defensively responsible right hand shot defenseman who you know has playoff experience. You can get some stuff for that dude, absolutely
0: oh yeah and this is a guy i've really turned the corner on because when we first got Braun, we had the reputation from sharks fans that he's a piece of shit he's terrible (laughs) and i certainly have gone through phases where i thought he's just so abysmally slow and i've really just come to just think he is perfectly fine he is a perfectly fine ideally second third pairing defenseman who actually can be capable on the top pairing if you really need him to be And he's defensively responsible. He's smart with the puck. I like Justin Braun. And yeah, you're right. He's got playoff experience. I think he's a very valuable piece. And I think you really could do well trading him. I mean, if you can get a second or third, great.
1: You got to deal that, dude. Like, you know, I'll sell, sell a deal for Chuck Fletcher. Like for that one, that one. I'll give him that one.
0: Would you say, would you say that Justin Braun is the Flyers' second best trade piece after Claude Giroux right now? Well, I guess maybe um, Rasmus, Risto, Risto. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Risto. W- it would be G Risto and then maybe Braun.
1: I think so. Yeah. In terms of people that look likely to get dealt. Yes. Cause everyone else here is like, you, you know, sort of a throwaway it, outside of me. Well, yeah. Well, let's talk about these other guys here. James and Riemstike, Um, I reluctantly put JVR on here and I only put JVR on here because no. I don't think you're trading him. I like JVR. Um, I think he's probably been better than his numbers this year would lead you to think, no one's given stuff up for a $7 million cap hit with that guy. Like if no. it didn't happen last summer, it's not going to happen this summer when he's yeah. been, when his counting stats have been worse. Like it just won't.
0: No, it's not going to happen, but it's, you know, if, if somebody came along and wanted them, I wouldn't object. And I, I like JVR, but no, if the Kraken didn't want him for free,
1: I still think he's a net positive player, but like you can't, but it's, it, yeah, I don't like if you could deal him last summer when he, when his value was higher, I don't think you're going to be able to deal them now. Granted, only one year beyond this one, but a $7 million cap in this environment's a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, I kind of looked at the buyout calculator for them earlier today, which I'm a little. It's not terrible. To admit, but it's not terrible. And if I remember looking at it to... when they
1: signed that deal and thinking, like, if you have to buy them out after four, the fifth year ain't, like, it ain't bad. Yeah. And you, you and don't want to do it, but it ain't bad.
0: My main thing is if, like, a free agent like a Johnny hockey or somebody comes up in the off season, which I don't want to get too excited over that because right. Don't get the hope is what kills you. Right. JVR is probably getting bought out if like it comes down to it for, you know, yep. having a free agent of that caliber. So the next guy I have here is Kevin Hayes, who I also acknowledge due to that seven million cap hit And also his injuries currently is likely not getting traded, but let's say no. he was healthy. And somebody said, I want Kevin Hayes. Yes, sir. Sign me up.
1: Unless you're retaining a ton of salary, that just isn't going to happen. And at that point, like, is it worth it?
0: Right. Right. I don't
1: know. I don't know what his buyout looks like. I'm not saying buy him out tomorrow or even after this year. But like, you know, I don't. That's something they'd have to weigh. Like if someone came to you and said, we'll take Hayes if you give us money or if you, you know, retain some money. But also. He's hurt. Like he's not playing this. He, I think there's a pretty good chance he doesn't play again this year. Or like, oh, well, I guess I shouldn't say that, but like, I mean, it may not be the worst thing in the world if he doesn't play again this year. Though they might maybe. shut down
0: Couturier and Hayes at this point, and it, I agree with both moves.
1: Yeah, I mean, also shut it down. Also, I just want Kevin Hayes to catch a goddamn break. I like, know, man. Just a single a break. Brutal year for just that one.
0: man and his family. It, I feel oh for him. God. I feel for him. Yeah. Yeah. So next guy on this list here is one that I also reluctantly put on here, and that would be one Cam Atkinson, who I adore Cam. I think Cam is the maybe the most fun thing about the Flyers this year. I think he's been a breath of fresh air. I think he's been just everything the fans have wanted, and a guy who just fires away, and he's got a great attitude. I don't want to trade Cam, but Cam, that contract, he's got a few years left, pretty decent cap hit. If somebody wanted Cam, I would listen.
1: Yeah, you know him, Farabee, and Drew are pretty much the only guys where, like, when they're on the ice, I think something good might happen. Uh, and and Gerald, of course, it's it's not a great cap hit or it's not a great contract. Like the cap hit isn't is actually totally fine for what he is now, but you know he'll you know, he'll be in his mid thirties when that ends. And guys like like volume shooters, the cliff comes fast for them. So like he fortunately doesn't seem like he's quite hit it yet. But you just never know. Now, I mean, again, if they think they're going to contend next year, I can't imagine them like dealing him for parts. But who knows? I mean, I think all in all, he's, you know, I'd be sad to see him go, though. I'd understand it. But I don't think it's going to happen.
0: I don't think it's going to happen either. I I really think they're going to have to keep some goodwill with the fans once they trade Claude Giroux. And he instantly jumps to the top of the list as like most popular flyer at that point.
1: Which is wild because we've had the least amount of time to hate him.
0: Yeah. Oh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Oh, you know what?
1: The guy plays defense. Yeah, he does. He tries. He tries, man. You know he fucking tries.
0: Hey, he can score a shorthanded goal. Not everybody can do that on this team.
1: Mm -mm. And he doesn't pass the puck into the net.
0: He doesn't. He actually wildly shoots it in from any angle he can find. It's it's.
1: Oh wow!
0: Like Claude Giroux took a note out of his book the other day against the Islanders and fired it in from like the side, and
1: <laughs> it ended up in there. That was fun.
0: He's been a great influence on Cla- Claude's been firing away. He's having a, a great year this year, and he's scoring more goals than I can ever remember him scoring.
1: Um, let's see. So who else we got? We talked about the three waiver guys uh, Derek. Derek Brassard. Derek Brassard. Yeah. If you can get if you can get a pick for him, go nuts.
0: Is he playing right now? Is he hurt? I, I haven't. I, what's I up feel with Derek like Rashard?
1: I've, I feel like, you know, he's, he's missed stretches here and there with injuries. And I feel like I come back and I don't notice whether he's, or he comes back and I don't really notice, which like feels unfair. Cause it seems like he's already met realistic expectation for what you could get from a guy you got for $800,000 in August.
0: Well, especially considering how he started the season where he was one of the most notable flyers for like the first 3 weeks.
1: I would have no feelings at all if he got traded. <laughs> yeah, he is I an agree. acceptable bottom 6 NHLer at this point. Yeah, 11 points in 19 games. Um oh, he okay. Jesus Christ. He has played twice since November 23rd. So <laughs> yep.
0: He
1: he played, yeah, he played against on November 23rd against Tampa. Um, then he played next on December 8th against the devils. Then he played on January 6th against Pittsburgh. He has not played since. Yep. That'll do it. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, if you can trade him do.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Now, is there anybody I'm missing here? I don't, I think I covered most of the bases. Um,
1: they're not trading Cam York.
0: Oh yeah. I forgot. So Cam York's totally in the first category here.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. They're not trading him. Got it down. And I can't think of anyone else.
0: Okay. So Cam York. He's not going anywhere. That's pretty yep. legit. Yep. Let's really get in the nitty gritty. Let's talk about the germ. Let's talk about Felix Sandstrom. No, we don't need to talk about all those guys.
1: Uh, we'll talk about how they, you know, they'll find Andy Walensky. They'll trade him. They won't trade him. We're still waiting for him.
0: What's Chris Stewart up to? Like, let's find out.
1: <sighs> someone someone retired recently that was a flyer. Okay, I don't know. That could be anyone. That's not helpful. <laughs> um, <laughs> Am I, like, thinking of Brandon Brooks retiring yesterday? What is wrong with me? <laughs> it was Jody Hall. Uh Jody Shelley?
0: Jody, yeah, Jody Shelley. No, Go he, get
1: Jody Shelley. What's he, well, he's, like, calling games for the Columbus Blue Jackets.
0: Yeah, I think he's been doing that for, like, 60 years. For, like, years oh, like,
1: since he retired, pretty much. He's yeah, pretty
0: much. Oh, Seems or, like he's George. actually pretty
1: good at that, honest. from what I've gathered.
0: If, yes, I've actually watched a couple of their broadcasts. I worked on NHL TV for a year and yep, I watched them yep, yep. and he did a good job. He's, it's a yes. nice second career for him. a like lot a of those dude. goons have done a, a good job for themselves. In
1: do you, their... do you wait, One of my favorite Jody Shelley things to talk about. Do you, so the San Jose Sharks, like a long time ago, released a series of, of commercials saying that like <laughs> that like one of their it has. It's a, you know, a commercial showing one of their players attempting to do another job and um and they're they're terrible at it like I, I don't remember what some of the other ones were but uh let me see if i can find this it's a lousy and like one of them is is a jody Shelley trying to be a mechanic oh, and yeah. um and i don't know if you've seen this commercial no but I haven't. Uh, it, all right I'm, I'm gonna send you this commercial right now because why not
0: why not i've considered cutting the entire rest of the show anyway so For those of you at
1: home you can google jody Shelley is a lousy mechanic is this commercial
0: okay let's watch uh let's, a little game of we haven't done this in a while steve watches stuff we'll turn down the <laughs> verbo commercial that's coming up
1: uh, i got i love products and services oh but okay, yeah so so there. they do all these commercials for a, okay, you're, wa- you're watching now
0: i am watching it now you try it again? it's pretty good too
1: I don't know about that now. <laughs> so the great thing about this video, as I think one of the top comments points that, or okay, so this is I guess a different one that's uploaded, but it's an old one, like in some old version of this, like it just shows him. Um, it's you know, it's as Jody Shelley's last mechanic. He's a great hockey player, and the highlight is just him skating up the ice. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, <laughs> and, and like all the other ones, it's like Logan gator is terrible at this, but he's a great hockey player. It like shows him scoring a goal, and like Jody yeah. Shelley, him skating.
0: <laughs> okay, this one had Jody Shelley beating the shit out of some guys, so that's at least it showed him doing his number one skill.
1: <laughs> oh uh, man, th-
0: that's good. That's a good one. I had Jody seen Shelley that is a lousy mechanic. And good, that's great good, because good commercials,
1: good content, good good yeah, content. Yeah. The San Jose Sharks.
0: Well, it's just Shelly like just throwing a bunch of parts in the engine, like frustrated, like ah, <laughs> which I enjoyed. Uh, Jody Shelly, what a flyer he was.
1: I hope Jody Shelly's doing well.
0: Anyways, anyways, so uh, the rest of this show, I really didn't want to. There's just a couple league wide things I wanted to talk about, and then I had a bunch of notes at the bottom, but I. I'm going to be up till, like, 4 a.m. if I do all of this. And you don't need that. I don't need that. So No,
1: I don't think we need to go through more talking about Ron Hextall. No, we
0: absolutely do not. We've talked about Ron enough for the rest of time. So I just wanted to briefly talk about the NHL's COVID policy changing and just another atrocious incident in the league, and then we will... Yep. Call it a day. But first, let's talk about the COVID policy. So this is a tweet from Frank Saravalli from I think it was last week. Uh, Sources tell Daily Faceoff that NHL will no longer test asymptomatic players and staff following the All-Star break, provided COVID-19 rates continue to decline around the league. Testing will only then be for cross-border travel as required and if symptoms arise. NHL told teams that 73% of the league's rosters have tested positive this season and approximately 60% have tested positive in the last five weeks. Current protocol remains in place until February 3rd. NHL and NHLPA must meet and review reported protocol changes on January 31st. So it is currently the 27th when we're recording this. So they will be meeting and reviewing the reported protocol changes on the 31st.
1: Uh, my take on this, the NHL is basically saying, fuck it. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you really just got to hope that the fact that, you know, a lot of people have had it. Again, it says 70 per- 73% of the league is tested positive. Like you just got to hope that's going to keep it from getting much worse. And, you know, more importantly, you just hope it doesn't, you know, as we talked about when the last, last time I was on, like, you hope that nobody who gets this, that isn't, you know, an able-bodied man in their twenties or thirties has a real adverse reaction to it. Like you really just gotta hope that, I mean, you know, you know, cross your fingers and hope for the best, knowing that for the last two years, we've kind of been doing that and it hasn't worked. Um, you just, again, the fact that it's tore through so much of the league, like, wasn't great. You just really hope that that means that that's the worst of what it's going to be. And like, definitionally, it almost has to be, but you want, but like, you still would rather know when folks have it. And I don't love it. And again, like it's an indoor cold sport, like guys are breathing on each other like more than they are in, you know, an outdoor sport, like in a football Um, I know you noted the NBA did similar things recently, you know, slightly easier to space out there, but not, it's not great.
0: Yeah. I mean, they can even space out, like they can space out chairs on the bench and stuff like they can have, you can sit in a chair further away from the other guys where the NHL, you are on that tight, cramped bench right next to each other. And there's no way to get around that. There's no way to fix that. It is what it is. And I get that a lot of the guys in the league were frustrated with the policies and, you know, I mean, frankly, it's a, a complete either unwillingness. You talking about what Carter Hart said. Yeah, um, we talked about what Carter talk, Hart said. We,
1: I don't think we ever talked about what Ivan Provorov said, like, and his comments were worse. Yeah, yeah. And we're not, we don't even, we don't even need to go into that.
0: There's certainly, like... A, a lack of knowledge about how COVID works based on what they're hearing. Because uh, the thing is, I read the whole fucking WHO definition of what asymptomatic means for this. You know, if you're asymptomatic, you can still spread it, right? It's just not as likely to spread, but you can still spread it. So that's why they test you if you're asymptomatic. So, but uh, you know, if the league, if the players association says yes to saying, fuck it, let's just play. And if guys are sick, they'll be out. And if not, they'll be, you know, that's the player's decision at that point. And if they feel comfortable, I just hope the rest of the team's staff is taking the proper precautions. And I I sure as shit hope that the players are respecting the staff around them and taking the proper precautions.
1: Absolutely. Like that's, you know, it's been, you know, one of the, one of the strangest, it's hard to put into words like throughout all of this like indifference towards this stuff can almost certainly mean nothing for you. And like, you may not even notice, but you also never know who it's going to affect, you know, like it, it could get spread from four, like from you to four different people where someone who is, you know, really vulnerable to it gets really sick or God forbid dies. And like, there's no way for us to know that kind of thing happens and you just really got to hope it doesn't, but yeah. I mean, fuck again, all these, I mean, so many of these guys have got it. So they're probably in a decent position themselves. Just got to hope that it doesn't get worse.
0: Yeah, man. that's That's <sighs> been our life for just about two years at this point. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Right? Anyways. Good
1: times. Uh, what's next on the, oh my God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about one more, just a horrifically upsetting thing. And let's talk about the Jordan Subban, Jacob Panetta, panetta incident right here so jordan suban of the echl's south carolina sting race, jordan being brother of pk uh accused jacksonville iceman defenseman jacob panetta of making racist gestures towards him during a game on saturday according to suban panetta made monkey gestures towards him during a skirmish that took place in overtime Panetta was suspended indefinitely by the ECHL following the incident pending a hearing, and Jacksonville cut Panetta afterwards. This was per a CBS Sports article on the incident.
1: Uh, I believe today was officially announced that he was suspended by the ECHL for the season.
0: Great. Kick him out of the league entirely and kick him out of hockey, because this piece of shit does not deserve to ever play the sport again. I cannot believe how many racist incidents I have talked about on this show in... You know, I've been doing the show a while, but not long enough that I should have had to talk about more than one racist incident happening in the sport. It just keeps happening, and it's just so disgusting. Another just totally disgusting thing from another piece of garbage. And uh, P.K. Subban came out and he tweeted, uh, they don't call the East Coast league the jungle because my brother and the other black players are the monkeys hey jacob panetta you shouldn't be so quick to delete your twitter or your instagram account you will probably be able to play again that's what history says but things so just the shit that these guys have to deal with is just so abysmal and i can't believe there's another incident and like
1: that that sentiment from suban and if you haven't watched his comments um if you haven't you know watched his comments from i believe after i don't remember when those were but after a game the other day um he you know spoke about it um i'd encourage you to watch those but like the the words there are just like you know speaking as we are as two you know white men on a hockey podcast so please don't listen to us for this but like you know reading him say that saying like you know you'll probably be able to play again like it's just a gut punch of a reminder like these people. You know, people like PK Subban, you know, black, you know, black hockey players, like black hockey players around, you know, the country, around the nation, around the continent, around the world. Like they've been going through this for as long as they've been involved in hockey. Like days after Willie O'Ree has his number retired for the Boston Bruins, this happens. And it just, and like to see PK Subban say that, like, you know, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's what happens. Like it's a gut punch of a reminder what they've had to go through and how much more ground still has to be made up here. And like, you know, the ECHL spending for the season, like that's, you know, a good start. Like that's, you know, a step forward. It's certainly more than I'm sure they would have done recently. You could argue whether that's enough or not, but I mean, I'm glad that they at least seem to want to take it seriously, but yeah, I mean, it that can't happen. It, and the fact and it does like it's clearly not out of the game. And as long as the sport is what it is with, um, you know, an overwhelmingly white population, these kinds of things are going to have to be weeded out the hard way.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're absolutely going to have to be weeded out the hard way at the hard way. And I just want to see harsh the hammer thrown down on these guys because that's the only way they're going to learn. And I mean, they ain't learning. I mean, it was just a few weeks ago, right. That we talked about the issue overseas. I forget which uh, country it was, unfortunately, but you know, too recent. that something just happened. And it's just so abysmal. It's just, it's not only just awful and upsetting, but it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for me as a, a fan of the sport to be a fan of a sport that just so often has these disgusting things happen. You know, I, I just, it, it makes me sick. It makes me violently ill to think about that. And it's just fucked up.
1: It's really upsetting. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it has sparked the outrage that it has in that people want to take this seriously and people seem to be taking this seriously, but you know, it's, it, the sport needs to be a place where you just can't fucking do that because it's not a thing that happens in other sports like it ju- in it know, other prominent sports in this country, it just isn't
0: it just isn't, it, it's it, hockey this it keeps happening and just it, it, it I don't know, I, I'm out of words I have to keep addressing this shit on the show because it just keeps happening and it's just it's embarrassing and disgusting I cannot take it, be better be better for the love of God and I saw Anson Carter briefly on TNT uh, late last night talking about it and, and just had some powerful words that I don't know if those are online anywhere, but, you know, he's comparing the crowd to a lynch mob because just, you know, goading the guy on because that's, it's like, the fact that Anson Carter has to say stuff like that, you know, just see, he's seeing stuff in those, in that light is just so just awful and PK Subban. is just like completely, it's just like, yeah, he'll still be in hockey. No problem. Like he, cause he's disillusioned. Cause he's seen this shit over and over and what Wayne Simmons has seen. And, and now Jordan Subban and it just it sucks. I hate it. I hate these racist garbage people that are doing this to these guys that just want to go out and play hockey. It's why, why, why do you have to be like that?
1: Game's going to be a better place when people don't think they can do that.
0: Come down hard on these people and do not allow these racists to ruin this game any further.
1: Yep. Well said, my man.
0: Yeah. Well, the one thing I didn't bring up this week to just end it on a light note is uh, we, we haven't watched the new Scream yet, but while we're watching through, one of the Scream movies had a Creed poster in the background. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: this this is not on the outline for those of you wondering at home what steve's talking about is not on the outline i was like where's he going with this okay okay yeah
0: it had a couple creed songs and had a creed poster on the wall i'm like good lord they really creeded up this movie right here
1: it was i think the uh it was the islanders game last week where they um where they were in They were in the Islanders new barn for the first time. And it was like a tie game in the third period. There was Creed just blasting in like in this arena. And I'm like, all right, something's about to happen. I just don't know what.
0: What was the Marlins song?
1: The Marlins will soar.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, Albert, oh, which Albert
1: remixed to be the Flyers will soar.
0: <laughs> Is that right? <gasps>
1: have you not heard this? Oh, I'm not oh, sure. I find have. You gotta find this audio. It if might you be can lost. find
0: this for me, I will it put might be this... lost in
1: the archives of our Slack full fo- of our Slack files. Because sometimes like actual files get get purged out of there. And Al's Twitter account's probably been banned like five times in the last several years. So I don't know if
0: if you can find this for me by the time I finish editing the episode, I will put this at the end where the or purple, fly purple song used to be at the end. Okay. I will put that oh, at boy. the very end. Uh, I don't you know if this.
1: I can find it, but I'll ask Al. Um, all right. Okay, cool. That's a, that's a, that's a worthy challenge.
0: You've got your mission. And this is all because I happened to rewatch the scream movies and Creed was prominently featured. And I think it was scream 2, the one on college in college scream goes to college. That's, that's what the movie was actually called, A Scream go, Ghost Face Goes to College.
1: Animal House Scream Vacation.
0: Yeah, that's that's actually the screenplay I'm working on
1: currently. I would watch the hell out of that.
0: <laughs> we're, all on line, we're on, we're on! It's late, we gotta go.
1: Yeah, we've been talking a lot. We have, but as... About the- this team, somehow. Well, some. Kind of about this team.
0: <laughs> in the words of a guy who's no longer in the NFL playoffs, sorry,
1: not sorry. Folks, thanks so had much. Had that one Berkeley in all episode. I had
0: that percolating. I forgot about Berkeley. Berkeley's so good. Oh, oh so- um,
1: while we're here, also to end on a lighter note, congratulations to longtime, flyper- or longtime temporary Fly host Amon Smith, who is working with the Nashville Predators for the rest of this year.
0: Woo. That's awesome. Great news for Eamon. Young Eamon is growing up. I'm going to cry a little bit. Oh,
1: that's... We joke, but like that dude works his ass off and like he he's, he'll, he'll, be, he'll, he'll be great. He'll like, he be great. We're, we're very excited for him, even though he will you know obviously not be hanging around our side as much for the next few months.
0: 69 hours a day, 420 days a year. He's working his ass off. <laughs>
1: that's the sex number.
0: That's the sex number and the weed number. That's uh, oh. that's Eamon for you. But no, that's... I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> he does work his ass off, and he's just, uh... The, the guy's earned everything, so he is, uh... Congrats to Amon, and best of luck to him, and we'll talk to him soon, but... And how. And and hell. Well, at least he doesn't have to talk about the Flyers for a while.
1: Living the... Truly living the dream.
0: Truly, he's been freed from this orange and black prison. <laughs> from... My orange and black pretty on. All right, we got to go. <laughs> we got to go. Oh, uh, I could do this all night. All right, folks. If you have any feedback, the plus. All place right, is... Cap. The, 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 uh, I know, I know. Okay. <laughs> the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. I could do this all day. You can reach Kurt on Twitter at Kurt P-S-H. Kurt, you working on anything for Broad I Street could do hockey? this
1: all day. <laughs> <laughs> Rogers, the musical. <laughs> Hawkeye was good. Hawkeye was fun. I love Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Yeah. Um. Some stuff that we talked about, like in this, I want to, you know, the Flyers say they want to contend. I'm trying to take an honest look on what it would earnestly require for that to happen. Spoiler alert. It ain't great. But yeah, you know, we're just trying to just trying to make it through here. Chipping in on the side.
0: They can't do this all day.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I know
0: all right well kurt is at kurt psh you can reach me at flyperbole or at esteban but if it's for hockey make it flyperbole follow bsh radio follow broad street hockey and flyperbole is on instagram and broad street hockey's on there and i think broad street hockey's on tiktok and all that fun social media oh wow folks thank you so much for listening we truly appreciate it be kind to one another be safe wash your damn hands wear your damn mask and until next time in the words of the great gene heart good night and good hockey